1: Today, we're going to be talking to a special guest from one of our favorite organizations, Echoing Green. If you don't know Echoing Green, I highly recommend you check them out. They are a global nonprofit. They help with things like fellowships, uh, seed stage funding, strategic support, all kinds of good stuff in the social entrepreneurship space. Okay, so Kate Hayes. Kate works with Echoing Green. Um, She oversees programming for uh, emerging business leaders who are dedicated to realizing their full potential. And prior to joining Echoing Green, she worked as the Director of Evaluation and Program Impact in the National Office of Minds Matter. And that is where she created new systems and methods for evaluating organizational success. Uh, Kate has a ton of experience, and what we're gonna talk about with Kate today is why we have nonprofit boards and why you might want to be part of one. Okay, so it's a really interesting topic and it is an approach to social change. Okay, so before we get into it, guys, I want to make an announcement. Two things. So, one, today is Tuesday the 15th and we have launched our newest edition of Change Creator Magazine, and that is. The future of social change, blockchain edition, okay? All about blockchain, guys. When new technology comes out that's revolutionizing digital e-commerce, or I should say the digital economy then you got to lean into it. You got to understand it. You got to know how your business should adapt. Should you use it? Should you get on board? What do investors think about this? They're going nuts over it. You're going to want to wrap your head around this complicated topic that's foreign to everybody. It's still fresh. It's still new. You want to get in front of it, okay? So we did a whole edition on blockchain blockchain, and how it's impacting social good and what you need to know, okay? And so check it out. I think you're going to find a lot of helpful information in that edition of the magazine. Coming in June, we have something really excited, guys. The June 2018 edition of Change Creator Magazine will be with an exclusive interview with none other than Seth Godin. That's right, Seth Godin. Will talk with us on leadership. This edition is going to dial into everything you need to know to be a great leader. Okay, so Seth Godin, June 2018. Keep an eye out in the App Store, it's coming soon. Okay, so guys, last but not least, I actually have one more update. There will be price changes starting on June 1st. So if you have not gotten a subscription, get it now at the current price point. Prices are going to shift up a little bit, guys. We've made a lot of big uh, st- uh, changes in our app and what we offer, and we have to make a slight shift in the pricing. It's not gonna be super dramatic, um, but you, if you already have a subscription before June 1st, you will be grandfathered in, and you will not be impacted. You will only pay that reoccurring fee. Um, but otherwise, it's gonna be updated from, I don't know, it's from $19 or $20 uh, for annual to 27 Okay, so guys, keep an eye on that. Just wanted to give a heads up on that update. Without further ado, and my babbling, let's talk with Kate Hayes and see what she has to say. I know you're gonna dig this. Hey, Kate, thanks for joining the Change Creator Podcast show. How you doing today? I'm great, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you. So um, you have some really awesome experience and you're doing incredible work with Echoing Green, who we very much appreciate. You guys have been around for a long time in the space and are really doing amazing things. So. Um, we are going to be chatting today about nonprofit boards. And this is, this is an interesting topic for me as well, because I I would love more education on this. Um, and it's not something that we've covered a lot. So I think there's, there's a lot of, um, interesting talking points that we'll all get from you on this. So if you could just give us a little bit more background on yourself and how you got into your position with Echoing Green and started pursuing this concept around why nonprofit boards.
0: Sure. So, as you mentioned, Echoing Green has been around for about 30 years, and the primary focus of our work has been around supporting early-stage social entrepreneurs working around the globe. And my Echoing Green story actually starts about 10 years ago in college. I spent a few years volunteering on an Echoing Green organization, and that was my first introduction into social entrepreneurship. It wasn't a term that was very prevalent at the time. It was certainly not one that I had heard of. So I had always had my eye on Echoing Green to see if there was ever going to be a good fit. And at one point early in my career, joining the nonprofit sector, much inspired by my experience with an Echoing Green organization, I decided that I wanted to become a social entrepreneur. I thought that that was the best way for me to make an impact Mm -hmm. or for anybody to make an impact. And so I applied for the Echoing Green Fellowship, which is what you do when you have a great idea. (laughs) And I made it pretty far, but I didn't get the fellowship. And so I started thinking about, okay, maybe being a social entrepreneur isn't the right thing for me to do. Let me continue to To look at the things that are most important to me and understand how I can continuously make a meaningful impact without that as my career path. And so uh, not long after, probably months after getting the rejection, a job opened up at Echoing Green to come in and really think about how we were building our ecosystem of support for social entrepreneurs and thinking about all of the key players that play a role in social impact. And are there to support the work that social entrepreneurs are doing. And so I said, this is perfect. And that was about four years ago. And I came in and developed the Direct Impact Program, which is an experiential board leadership program working primarily with mid-career private sector individuals who are looking to make an impact outside of their day jobs. They're Mm -hmm. going to stay in the private sector, but they want to think about what their time spent outside of work looks like and how they can really make the most impact with that time that they have.
1: Very cool. Okay. And so I'm just curious, can you, can you just explain for people listening, you know, what was the traditional, um, I guess, impact or presence that a board would have in a nonprofit and where do you want to see it go?
0: Yeah. So Traditionally, boards are often an afterthought for organizations and thinking about investing in their board. They're often a pain point for organizations because uh, they think of them as this group that they have to really impress and manage and keep happy, but can't actually come to with the real challenges and the real problems that they're facing as an organization. What boards can look like, and they are the governing entity of an organization, so technically, they're in charge. They're the boss of the executive director, which is also where some of those tensions can lie and, and thinking yeah. about how do I impress my boss. Uh, but what boards can look like and what I've seen them transform into as being part of the Echoing Green Direct Impact Program is into leadership focused groups that are creating trusted partnerships between the board, the group of people in charge of the organization, and the executive director. And when those trusting partnerships are created and and strong group dynamics and infrastructure is put in place, Boards can be completely elevated from just thinking about the legal and fiduciary responsibilities of an organization, which is the stuff that they already get right, to how do we engage in strategic discussions? How do we measure our success? What does this organization need to look like three years from now, five years from now? And that's what we're trying to move the needle on.
1: Well, that that makes me a little bit concerned to hear that that's traditionally not what they're doing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: I, <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. And that's exactly why I, why I do this work. And I, I think, you know, the data shows boards are ineffective. Most board members don't think that their fellow board members are engaged, don't think that they're experienced. So there's a lot of perception problems. And what that results in is these teams coming together and boards are a very unique type of team in that they're primarily only coming together four, six, maybe eight times a year and meant to think at a very strategic level of the organization. But when that comes into practice, it's very easy to And time just reporting out, hearing updates, and not engaging in those conversations. And so by by focusing on how we structure meetings, uh, rethinking what a board meeting looks like, like, which traditionally you walk in, people are coming in late from work, you're approving the minutes, you're going over any pre-reading materials, which most people haven't read in advance. and. By the end of the meeting, maybe you're getting to the really important strategic discussions. But what we need to do is really flip that and rethink what it looks like building the relationships from the get-go, engaging in the strategic conversations earlier in the meeting, and focusing on making sure that everybody is prepared to show up
1: and engage in this way. You just read my mind because... I'm sitting here thinking, well, if you're only meeting a handful of times per year, I feel like the meetings will end up being these updates, right? So it's like, here's what's my goal. Because now they have to catch up what's going on. Because they can't, you can't really make a strategic, uh, you know, um, offer strategic input if you don't know what the current status is and what's happening, especially to the business and even just the space. Um, So I guess how does, how do you make sure a board team is prepared so that you can come to the meeting ready to provide strategic input?
0: Yeah, so I think that the the biggest thing, and this is often a big pain point, is most staff and the executive director will lead this, will create these really robust board books or pre-reading materials, send them out, they try to send them out a week in advance, that doesn't always happen, and then the board members don't read them in advance. The way we start to solve that problem is, in partnership, boards and executive directors need to have conversations about what they actually need to know in advance and what's actually realistic for them to read and be able to think about in advance. And generally, board members should be able to at least give an hour of their time in advance of a board meeting to read through the packets, come up with questions, and come ready to engage in discussions. Yeah. What that needs to look like is being able to provide feedback and go back and forth, and knowing that typically these board books take a lot of time for staff to put together. Uh, So it's actually really challenging when then they're not read and not uh, thought about in advance. So in partnership, have the conversation, what exactly do you need? And then over time, building the culture that hey, from this point forward, you are expected to spend an hour reading through these materials in advance of the meeting, and we're not going to be answering, we're not going to be going through them, and we're not going to be answering questions that could have been answered through the board book. That's going to be really awkward the first couple of times if somebody asks a question and it's actually on page two, but saying, hey, listen, that was in the book, um, as a reminder, we made the decision to read this in advance so we can actually focus on looking at insights from the readings. So we're not going to address that now. We're going to move forward. That person is probably not going to make the mistake of not reading the board book again. But all of that is requires trust amongst the team that is the board and the executive director.
1: Yeah. Oh, I see trust. And I see just the spirit of collaboration. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of mm-hmm. like, hey... You know, in my mind, there's like key metrics that everyone needs to understand to know what direction things are going. And then they need to understand the climate of the space, right? Whatever space they're playing in, health or whatever it is, right? And if they can at least get a summary, like, I don't even, I feel like if they're putting together these extensive documents, it's like doing the 50 page business plan that no one reads, nor does it matter because it's outdated next week, right? So, you know, now you can say, here's your one pager of key things to understand because, you know, obviously, I don't know if you can rely on people actually keeping up with the uh, with things in between. So it's going to really rely on that document you mentioned. I, I, so really, you're talking about just restructuring the process and making sure that collaboratively everyone participates on here's what we think um, we can all do for an hour before the meetings. Here's the information we need. If everyone's in an agreement, then there's no arguments when you get to the meeting. Exactly. And I
0: think that hits the nail on the head in that Boards need to be thinking at a very high level. They, as I like to say, they should be strategically engaged and operationally distant. So they yes. don't need to know every every little inner yes. working of the day-to-day. They don't need to get in the weeds, but it's really easy to want to do that when you're not having this these strategic conversations. Uh, but by thinking of board members as sort of an insider-outsider. So they're on the same team. They have that insider perspective, but they can also look very objectively. Um, They can see the forest and not just the trees. That that whole thing um, I think is really powerful. And, And moving towards that, exactly like you said, one page, Absolutely. 90% of the time, that is enough uh, to be able to have meaningful conversations. And then thinking about what those conversations need to be. So getting really clear on, we have 30 minutes for a strategic conversation. By the end of it, we need to be at a brainstorm list, action items, roles, whatever it is, get clear on that so people know what they're walking into in any conversation.
1: I love that. Okay, so let's just move over to who who is on boards, how many people, who's involved. I mean, we have people listening to this conversation and if they're think they're exploring ways to get involved with social impact. I mean, I've literally had, um, a, you know, a, um, what kind of lawyer was she? A uh, I can't remember. Well, she worked with big corporations as a, a big legal, like, um, uh, Okay. I'm fumbling my words here. She was a lawyer. She reached out to us. She wanted to get in the social impact space, but she didn't know how to get into the social impact space. So, you know, a little bit older, been working for a few years. And so people may see this who don't know what they want to do to your point. Like maybe this is a way they can invest some of their time to contribute to more impact with companies that they're really passionate about. So who are the right people and how many people are on the board?
0: Yeah, so I'll I'll talk about the size and then the who. So depending on the stage of the organization, the board is going to look different. Typically, when a board starts, you need three people to sign your 501c3 papers, um, and that's considered your friends and family. But then as it grows, typically a few years in, you're probably looking at five to seven members, five to eight years in, you're looking at maybe 10 to 12 members, and it can go upwards from there. The way I think about the right board size for an executive director to be thinking about is how much can you manage and really putting the systems in place before you grow the board too fast. And then who's on the board? So there's lots of people that need to be on boards. We need corporate leaders to be on boards. And that's really who we're working with the most through direct impact. We need community representation. I think that's one of the biggest gaps that are missing on boards are people that the organization is serving Mm -hmm. and having that, those voices as decision makers is really important. We need people with all sorts of expertise. So if you're working in the private sector in finance, Boards and organizations need that financial expertise. They need marketing expertise. They need all of those technical skills, but they also need the soft skills. So they need people that, regardless of what their job title is, they're good communicators. They can engage in healthy debate. They're really good at giving feedback. So everybody, I think everybody has the potential to be a board member if they think thoughtfully about how to prepare for that role and what they want that role to look like. And with that, I think there's two factors. There's context and there's content. So when you're a leader in whatever field you're in and thinking about joining a board, you want to think about context. So what is the mission that I care about? What are the issue areas that are important to me? That's an important part of, of being on a board. You want to enjoy your experience and care about the mission. What I think is even more important is the content. So what are you actually doing on the board, are you bringing your financial expertise or are you bringing something else? Are you coming in as somebody who can be a great facilitator? And it it's not an either or, but you want to be really clear on what that role is going to look like so that you can show up as your best self and
1: feel like you're engaged with the skill sets that you have on that board. Yeah, that makes sense. And so now I guess I'm curious. So let's say I decided I'd like to get involved and I have a certain skill set to support someone. How do you how do you get involved on the board? What are the steps you have to take to even try your hand? Do they interview you? Like, what's the what's the process look like for people to get started in exploring that?
0: Yeah, so. First and foremost, I think what's really important is thinking about how you're going to get trained on being a board member. Something like 80% of board members have received no training at all, which is why I think many boards are ineffective. So absolute step one is think about training and what that looks like for you. Direct Impact is a really intensive experiential program. There's also just easier entry points to start to learn what governance is all about. From there, it's about finding organizations. There's not one, a one-stop shop for finding boards, but there's a few places. There's You can look at LinkedIn for good, Idealist, Alumni Listservs, social media, but also just word of mouth. And what I recommend most is if you find an organization that you're excited about reach out and you don't necessarily have to say hey I want to be a board member but hey I want to learn more and see how I could get involved cuz the thing is oftentimes organizations don't know where to go to find board members either right and they rely on their own networks uh, to to find new board members and that results in oftentimes homogenous boards so don't be afraid to reach out to to take that first step and from there each process varies. So, typically, there will be an interview with at least the executive director, perhaps the board chair, and another board member. One of the things that I really encourage organizations to do is have prospective board members complete a short-term project that is in line with the skill set of a, of a prospect. And that offers an opportunity for you as a leader joining a board to get to know the organization better and vice versa. And I oftentimes get the question, well, what if I don't want to complete a project or somebody doesn't want to then it's probably not the right board for you because you're ultimately putting your skill sets to use for that organization so think about how you can this is it's a big commitment and it's something that you want to take really seriously so making sure that you're also doing your due diligence knowing what you're getting into it feels like the process is well done um, or if it's not you know it's an earlier stage and that's that's what you want to focus on helping them mature more Uh, but that's those are the really good places to start and the things to be thinking about in terms of training and getting to know the organization really well.
1: So is there typically expectations outside of the four to five meetings a year?
0: So oftentimes, and almost always, there should be a fundraising expectation, which is another pain point on both sides. But to to nonprofits, money is oxygen. So it's really important that their board is engaging in the fundraising. So there's typically something called a give-get, which is the total amount of money that you need to either give directly or get from your network to give or have them give directly. Mm. Um, There's also the more sort of intangible responsibilities. So you need to be there to support the executive director as a trusted advisor. You might need to join committees, which would be things like groups of people focusing on the finance of the organization or the marketing and communications. Um, That's often something that will be a requirement. And And then showing up, and not just to those board meetings, but engaging in the work that the organization is doing, going on site visits, engaging with donors, with uh, other people in the network, to really be that supportive team member for the board.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and so what you know, you you started this department over at Echoing Green. What has been the biggest challenge so far for you um, as you pursue this mission?
0: So I. That's a great question. So just to share just a, a touch more about what direct impact looks like to answer that well yeah. is we we're, it's a cohort-based model where we're bringing a small group of professionals from the private sector, typically mid-career, so 35 to 45 on average, through a series of experiences to help them become exceptional board members. So they're going really deep in terms of personal leadership development, understanding governance, understanding philanthropy, and understanding social entrepreneurship. And then we're seeking to match them with the nonprofit organizations within the Echoing Green Network. One of the challenges is that it is a small program, and we believe in going really deep with those that we work with, but we're trying to think about how can we really turn those participants into catalysts on the boards that they join. So it's a challenge and an opportunity in that it can be challenging for one person to go in and change the culture of a board. And so what we try to equip them with is all of the tools that they need to do so. But what we need is more people just thinking about what great board leadership could look like and being willing to to know that business as usual is not going to work anymore. Yeah, We have an example. We have um, one organization that now has three direct impact graduates on it, which is half their board. They've got a board of six and they're they're growing and they've been able to completely transform the way that the board is able to operate. But that took a couple of people. So, whether or not you go through a really intense process like direct impact, really thinking about and being open to not using any preconceived notions of what boards are like, but really rethinking what they could look like um, and taking risks um, in rethinking the agenda and rethinking recruitment processes. um, That's that's where some of the biggest challenges are and also where some of the biggest opportunities are.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, it's, we've made comments in some of our copy before saying we're, we're not normal because normal hold, holds back progress. <laughs> so mm-hmm. <you> know, yes. <laughs> doing, doing anything, you know, that's, that's, is the way it used to be. Or like you said, if you have a certain historical uh, thought process about things, like if you hang on to those things, you really can't do anything new. You're just going to keep doing the same repetition, which is um, interesting. And so I, you, you know, you talked about, creating going in depth with people to help them understand what this could be and what great leadership looks like. Um, I, I, is there any particular characteristics, I guess at a high level, I think obviously that's a deep conversation, but what does make a good leader for a board?
0: Yeah, we could absolutely talk about that all day long. <laughs> uh, but I think, I think a few of the most important characteristics, um, is first and foremost, self-awareness. So people need to be aware of how they show up in this space, which might look the same as they show up in work. It might look different. But having that self-knowledge and understanding who you are in a group, what you care about, being able to articulate that is a really good place to start. And then from there, being able to understand group dynamics and work as a team to understand each other and understand where each other's superpowers are and where each other gets stuck and being able to maximize roles to really um to to maximize those things and to allow everybody to be the, their best selves in the boardroom i think a strong dose of humility is really important um you're not working in the organization day in and day out you're probably not working in the field day in and day out and so really understanding that as a leader you don't know everything and you don't know what you don't know and being able to ask curious questions to be able to think outside of the box and outside of what you know and just be open to what's different um, and really embrace that I think is another really key characteristic
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to to hear. And I'm curious then you're working with people to help them become good leaders on boards. So you do a deep dive with them. Um, are you also doing B2B in any way to help existing nonprofits reshape their boards?
0: Yes. So we're working. That's, that's the other half of my work. So you're right. It's one thing to get these exceptional leaders prepared to join boards. It's another for organizations to be prepared to receive that. And so the other piece of my work, and right now it's working primarily within Echoing Green organizations, is working with executive directors to help them think about reaching shaping their board right. and I always say that the earlier we can get in the better because if you can build these practices from the very early stage it's awesome it's much easier but it's also possible to change the culture later on it just has its own unique challenges that come with that um, but one of the things that I think is a challenge in the space and one of why we're addressing both sides of this is when you look at the governance field as a whole typically Board members are getting one set of information, and executive directors are getting a second set of information, and the two are different. And so all of the content that we create is exactly the same. We might present it in slightly different ways, talk about it in slightly different ways, whether we're talking to a prospective board member or an executive director, but they're literally getting on the same page with the information so that they can create this partnership and this collaboration using the same information, same best practices, um, or I jokingly call them next practices since they're often yeah. not embraced as much. Right. Uh, so that's that's also a big piece of it. Okay,
1: and one of the things I noticed is you had an article on uh, Stanford Social Innovation Review and you talked about diversity on board. So I just wanna touch on that real quick. And how important is that? And is that something that's lacking a lot today?
0: It is absolutely of the utmost importance and it's very lacking. So when we look at boards and I'll speak to racial and ethnic diversity first and then zoom out from there, only 20% of board members are people of color, which is a huge issue. And 25% of boards are entirely white. So even just looking at one piece of diversity, boards are not doing well. Um, and then you zoom out to age, to socioeconomic status, to gender, to all sorts of, of diversity. They're, they're lacking on pretty much all of them. Gender is probably the closest where there's close to parity, but when you look at age, only 16% of board members are under the age of 40, yet we know the importance of engaging the next generation, and boards are starting to embrace that a little bit more, but we're not seeing these numbers move as fast as we can, and the really interesting thing is, according to board source data, which does these incredibly robust surveys, about 70% of boards want to be more diverse. They're just having a hard time figuring out how to put that intention into action. And when I think about diversity, the very first thing that's important for an organization to do is define what they mean by that term. And diversity cannot be separate from equity inclusion. Those conversations have to happen together in the in the board context uh, but understanding who you want on your board what are the demographics the skill sets the experiences that you need to really have a, a diverse board that reflects who you're serving that reflects all of the different areas that are important to you as an organization and these are important because we know that diverse teams are better problem solvers they have more constructive conversations and it's just the right thing to do. I, I talk about that all the time. And I'm like, we, we shouldn't need to have so much data. It's just, we know in this sector, it's the right thing to do. Uh, but making that definition first and then making the decision to really act on it. And for Mer- and the article goes into this in step-by-step step, what exactly you can do to move towards having a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive board. Uh, but starting with that decision, putting infrastructure in place to make sure that you're recruiting beyond your networks, which often look like ourselves, as we had talked about before. You're thinking about creating an equitable process. You're not just taking the biggest donor and putting them on your board and making others go through an intensive process. It's got to look the same for everybody and then from there really thinking about how you structure conversations having that great facilitation so that all voices are included and all people feel like they're and actually are a part of that true decision making process
1: yeah and, and and i'm just i, I mean i don't want to like hit on the obvious here but let's just clarify by having diversity and thinking about that what's the what does that do for the organization if they can Think ahead, plan and, and include a diverse group of people from all those levels you mentioned, whether it's age, ethnicity, those different those different um, characteristics. W- w- what's that do for the company?
0: Yeah, I think two major things. So I think one is just having a better team that's better able to solve problems, to talk about issues, to bring in a variety of experiences into those discussions. I think that's where a really big problem is, is when the voice of the community that you're serving is not in that room, those decisions are not going to necessarily reflect what that community actually needs. So that's first and foremost, really, really important. And the second piece is I think more and more people are taking notice. People who are thinking about joining boards, who are thinking about working in the nonprofit sector, who are thinking about giving. When you look and you see a board that's not diverse, and I'm just looking at what you can see on the website. So talking more about gender and race, that's a big red flag because in our world, it, the conversation is coming up more and more and it is becoming increasingly important. And when you see that an organization doesn't reflect that deep desire that many have for organizations to become more diverse, it's becoming more and more of a big red flag. And I think for donors as well, um, it's becoming more important. So the very practical and then in the field, it's, it's becoming a must have. Right.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I I, I see that as applying to any company at all levels, not just the board, but your company itself. I mean, your founding team, it helps to have diversity. Um, You know, each department as you build your company, because to your point, like, having those different experiences and backgrounds and letting them think from, from those perspectives is extremely powerful.
0: Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Listen, I want to be respectful of your time. So we're going to wrap up here. um, But why don't you let people know how do they learn more about what you're doing? Where do they go? How do they connect? How do they get involved with the program?
0: Yeah. So you can go to echoinggreen.org and navigate to the direct impact page. You can get in contact with me there. It's just Kate at echoinggreen.org. Echoing Green's on social, so Echoing Green on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and certainly read the article, A Roadmap to Better Boards in the SSIR, and reach out via email or social to connect more. Our next cohort will launch in January 2019 with our application opening in the early fall. So definitely reach out. There's ways to get engaged in advance of that and to start to learn about and engage with this community that we have here at Echoing Green.
1: Yeah, that sounds awesome. So we'll also include those articles, guys, in the uh, show notes when we put this up on the website so you can read some of the content, get a deeper dive, and then the link to the uh, Echoing Green website and program. So, Kate, thank you very, very much. This was an enlightening conversation and a really interesting opportunity, I think, that you've opened up to people who might want to get involved, like you said, maybe not as a, a social entrepreneur starting their own business, but supporting a company with the skills and experience that they already have
0: yeah thank you so much adam and i think that point that you just made is most important everybody has a role to play and we all need to show up to really move the needle on some of these big issues so figuring out what works best for you is a great
1: place to start so thank you for having me absolute pleasure thanks again bye